Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from beautiful Ambergris Key in Belize. Welcome to the show, my good friend, Russell Gray. Hey, Victor. Thanks for having me. Well, great to have you here, Russ. We've known each other a whole bunch of years. And boy, there's so much that's going on in the marketplace right now. We could probably talk for hours, but don't worry, we're not going to. For the folks who haven't met you, though, maybe take a moment and give a little bit of your backstory, how you got to this point in your journey. Oh, well, that's not a short story because I'm an old man. But I mean, I, th- I think for me, really, uh, I started out like a lot of people just working a, a day job. And this was before Kiyosaki wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But I instinctively knew I needed to own a business. I needed to try to find a way to create a passive income. And I started by just attacking my personal tax situation. And that led me down kind of this rabbit hole. And I landed in 1995 reading a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin. And I had an epiphany which was that our monetary system is really modern-day feudalism, and in fact, we're really all debt slaves. And that was shocking to me. And I thought, doesn't everybody understand this? Doesn't everybody know this? Everybody needs to know this. We need to do something about it. And I kind of got a little bit of a Moses complex and uh, thought that it would be a good idea to run around and, and enlighten people, and, and they all thought I was crazy. Of course, in the fullness of time, after the last 25 years, it's become more and more apparent to, to people that our, that our financial system is dysfunctional, to put it lightly. And I don't know that people understand it. I'm still working on understanding it, but I've come to the conclusion that it's fundamentally flawed and that at some point the system in its current configuration is going to fail. And it doesn't mean the end of the world. It doesn't mean the end of the economy. It doesn't mean the end of opportunity. It just means a change, a reset. And we've heard that word uh, bantered around quite a bit because I think the people who hold the monopoly on the financial system realize it needs to be reset and they want it to reset in their favor. I think that's a window of opportunity for everyday people to have a voice in the matter, maybe even a choice in the matter. And so for me, that's what I've been spending my time doing, hanging around with people like George Gammon and Chris Martinson, of course, G. Edward Griffin, the author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, Robert Kiyosaki. I think a lot of us out there that are paying attention feel like there's a window of opportunity through financial education for Main Street to get more in control of a system they've been on the wrong end of for a long time. Well, there's no question that with the changes that are taking place, there is a wealth transfer happening. Inflation is a wealth transfer. A reset will be a wealth transfer. What are your thoughts on how to come out on the winning side of that equation as opposed to being stuck like the rest of the masses on the losing side of the equation? I think you need to get to home base. When I was a kid, I used to play tag and you'd run around and everybody could be it. And if you got tagged, you were out. And the only safe place was to get back to base. And so if you look at human history, for most of human history, gold has been the backing for whatever currency was issued. It's only been the last 52 years that that hasn't been the case. And even though the process began in 1913, it really took a big pivot in 1971. And that was really the last time the dollar failed. And we saw inflation followed by recession or combined with recession, stagflation. And we're seeing that same thing happen today. So just based on the history lessons that I've seen, uh, it seems to me that people want to be out 
outside, have at least a portion of their wealth outside of the financial system, outside of a singular currency, and have the ability to pivot into any currency, depending on what comes out on the other side. Central banks have been loading up on gold since 2010. And so there's a bid in every currency all around the world. And to have liquidity, in other words, be able to take something on your balance sheet and turn it into spending power, you have to have the ability to have someone with currency willing to bid on it. And gold is very liquid in that regard. You do take some currency risk, depending on what currency you buy it in. You may buy or sell it at a time uh, that you're at a disadvantage uh, compared to you know when you bought it or sold it. But it, but at the end of the day, I think if you look at the trend lines, the trend line for the purchasing power of currencies is down, and the trend line for precious metals in any currency uh, is up. In other words, it retains its purchasing power. So I'm, I'm a big proponent in today's environment of people, especially even real estate investors who have equity in their balance sheet uh, that's really dependent upon healthy credit markets to move a portion of that wealth onto their balance sheet in the form of precious metals uh, just as a hedge against a, a currency reset or a banking system failure. You'll have an opportunity to have some purchasing power no matter where you are in the world. What are your thoughts? I mean, many people consider gold to be a commodity. There are certainly other commodities, commodities that have commercial, industrial uses. I'm thinking of things like copper, oil, platinum, tungsten, things for which we are past the peak in terms of mining that stuff out of the earth. And yet the demand is growing. And if you think about the commodity super cycle, we can probably expect to see the value of those commodities go up far faster than the current rate of inflation as the demand outstrips the supply. I think the difference in commodities and precious metals or really monetary metals, there's four precious metals, platinum, palladium, silver, and gold, but only two monetary metals, gold and silver, and they've been money throughout thousands and thousands of years of human history. So they're unique in that regard. Certainly industrial metals, like any commodity, I mean, land you need for agriculture, oil you need for energy production, still the most efficient form of energy we have, copper and silver you need for electrical palladium, I think it is, uh, is used in catalytic converters. And so when you have a growing economy and you have growing consumption of the goods that need to be manufactured using this, these precious metals, these strategic metals, then what you have is you have upward pressure, of course, on the bid and upward pressure on the price. But gold in particular, and to a degree silver, again, are unique because the central banks are buying them. Central banks aren't loading up on copper. They're not loading up on tungsten. They're not loading up on palladium. They're loading up on gold. Recently, gold was made a tier one asset, considered to be as safe as anything else out there. You didn't have to get credit for just a portion of the gold on your balance sheet. You got full credit for it. So that's a recent change. I think the, the ultimate insiders on currency are the central banks. They print the currencies. And the ultimate insiders are hedging against currencies with precious metals. To me, that's enough. I don't even need to understand why. I just see it happening and think, you know what? Follow the big dogs. They're doing it for a reason. I don't know what the reason is, but they have more intelligence on the matter than I do. It doesn't hurt me to have a little bit. Probably want to do that. I think Jim Rickards did a great job in a book he wrote a few years back called The New Case for Gold. And he makes the argument why gold is unique qualified to serve as a commodity for backing money and currency. And if you pair that with this idea that the complete fiat or non-backed currency system, no matter what currency you're talking about, is at the end of its shelf life, you put those two things together, it 
it's an indicator that it's probably a good idea for a prudent investor to think about hedging a currency, reset a currency collapse, no matter where you are in the world, with some gold. Now, when just to be clear, when we talk about gold, you're talking about the physical metal. You're not talking about gold certificates or ETFs or anything like that. You're talking not no paper asset. You're talking about the physical gold that you have to put in a safe at home or under your mattress or wherever. 100%. It's the same thing with derivatives. You can own an asset or you can own a derivative of an asset. In fact, you could make the argument at one point in time, greenbacks, Federal Reserve notes, were actually derivatives. If you go back and look at a 1928 $20 bill, it was redeemable for $20 of gold. Dollar wasn't a, a currency. It was a unit of measure. And then eventually it was replaced with just dollars and not redeemable for anything. So it went from being a claim on something real, which would be a bit of a derivative, to a complete derivative that ostensibly is backed by gold, but you can't claim it. And again, there's a reason these central banks are loading up. I, you know, some people say, gee, Russ, you sound like a gold bug. I thought you were a real estate guy. I'm a real asset guy. And I think that the power of gold in a falling currency environment is that you can pair it with debt. In other words, if the currency is going down, you have the opportunity to bring the, cur- the, the currency from the future into the present and buy something today and lock in the price. That's real estate 101. If I go buy a $100,000 house with $20,000 down and an $80,000 loan, I brought $80,000 from the future cash flows of that property into the present, but I've locked the $80,000. That property through inflation goes from 100 to 200,000, that extra $100,000 of equity, that's my money. The, the lender doesn't get it. But the problem is that equity is very dependent upon healthy credit markets. And if those credit markets break like they are right now, then that equity goes away. And we're starting to see real estate equity retreat. The last time I saw this happen in 2008, as real estate equity retreated, gold pricing actually went up. And I looked at that inverse relationship and I thought to myself, well, when interest rates are low a couple years back, I suggested that people take the low interest rates against the high equity and harvest some of that equity and then place some of that equity in gold away from the property so it's not subject to foreclosure, it's not subject to claim. So I, I think if people don't think of gold as an investment, they just think of it as an alternative form of savings versus dollars in the bank or an alternative form of equity versus equity in a property. It's just still equity on your balance sheet. If you look at it that way, then you can start to see how you can use it. You can borrow against it. You can sell it if you want to. But yeah, you don't want to have a derivative. You want to have the real thing and you want to have it in your possession or in your control someplace safe where you know you can get to it. Some people advocate having uh, in different parts of the world. Some people advocate having it not in your physical possession where you are, but someplace else with a trusted friend or a a private custodian. I think most people today argue that it would not be a good idea to put it in a bank deposit, a safe deposit box, because the banking system, if it were to go on a bank holiday, which is what happens when you have a major financial system, you're not going to be able to get in. So do your homework. I mean, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just saying that very, very few people really understand the historical role of gold or where we're at in the evolution or debt the devolution of the financial system and the role gold might play in insulating you, just like I think the reason the central banks are buying it, to insulate them from whatever this next transition is going to be. We don't exactly know what it is, but pretty much all the smart people I've been talking to are saying that something is coming and they're all preparing for it. And I'm, I'm just saying that 
that gold has a role in that preparation. If you pair it with debt on real estate and the currency collapses, then the gold should go up in currency terms and you can retire the debt on that productive piece of real estate for a fraction of the gold that you paid for. It's just like buying two houses and they both double in value and you sell one to pay the other off. Even if you never paid any money down on the loan along the way, the, the appreciation or the falling of the currency, which is the inverse of the appreciation, pays off the one. But you got to have them both on your balance sheet or that equity doesn't happen to you. Exactly. Well, we're here in beautiful Ambergris Key at Mahogany Bay Village. We're here in the Investor Summit on Sand, an annual event with a couple of hundred of super smart people. What's been your observation from this past week? I think when George Gammon came and he and I saw the whole de-dollarization thing a little bit different, and you know, George is super smart and I would have been very intimidated in the follow-up conversation, but as fate would have it, Jim Rickards had posted an article through his Daily Reckoning that got picked up on Zero Hedge, and it basically said the same thing that I was concerned about, is that the BRICS nations led by China are working aggressively to de-dollarize the world and potentially could introduce a gold-backed currency. So George was saying that he saw it a different way, and I see it a different way, but I'm in good company with Rickards. I'm not saying George is wrong and I'm right. I'm saying that it's really important to get a 360-degree view. And so when you get a chance to get around people who are looking at the same set of circumstances, the same situation, the same information, but they see it from a slightly different angle, it, it broadens your perspective. I think you need to approach that with humility and curiosity and then be, get around people who are going to be very generous with their research, their insight, their wisdom. They're not trying to sell you anything. They're, we're all just working together to try to understand so that we can make our own personal judgment based on the inputs of where is the opportunity going to be, where are the risks going to be, and how do we position ourselves in our portfolios to capitalize on those opportunities and mitigate those risks. Well, Russ, it's been an amazing week, and you and the whole team have just done a fabulous job of creating an environment that's attracted some of the best and brightest in the world. If folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Well, we're easy to find, realestateguysradio.com. If you're interested in particular in next year's summit in 2024, we should have a great collection of people. You can send an email to summit at realestateguysradio.com. And once you're on our list, we'll tell you about all the other stuff we do. And if you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe. I love it. Well, thank you, Russ. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Russell Gray at realestateguysradio.com and to find out more about the Investor Summit, send an email to summit at realestateguysradio.com. Link will be in the show notes. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.